Paz IM Radio with your co-hosts Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this Sunday edition of Pazam Radio. Today is February 19th, and this is Robert Brining, joined, of course, by the fabulous Aaron Waxton. Good afternoon, Aaron. Well, hello, Robert. <laughs> wow, you came in really loud. <laughs> I figured how, I would give how like are you? a Julia. I would give like a Julia Child spring hello. I'm oh, good. You definitely marked it. You know, it's it's nice. It's beautiful here, and and I'm just over the top hyper. So you were telling me what it was eighty degrees. Yeah, it's it's like right at 80. That's nice. It's right at 70 here in Philly. It's a nice break considering last week they were calling for a blizzard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, if it's if it's going to be the end of the world, at least let's have nice weather right before the end. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So, so you were speaking a little bit earlier before we came on live that you were in your last trip from the the old place to the new place. So, how, how's that move going for you now? It's been, what, three weeks has it been? Oh, it's nice. I mean, getting settled in and, and everything's great. There, there was just a few, like, stragglers that we didn't get uh, with the truck. So, you know, a big desk and things like that. So it's it's nice. Actually, this week I am in North Carolina with AIDS United, um, and so we needed to get everything done um, this weekend so that we only have a few minor touches um, and then – yeah, it's. It'll, I'll be glad to get it get it behind us. Oh, cool. Well, again, congratulations. I'm sure you're excited. Now, did you guys move into a house, an apartment? What where, What did you move from to? Yeah, a house. We had a smaller house, and now we're we're into a larger house. Um, so yeah, we're not on not on top of each other as much. That's always nice. Yeah, and when you live with me, you want to have space because I'm I'm a I'm a moody bitch. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it happens. It comes with the territory, I think. Well, but, um, one of the other things is whenever I, I started my HIV journey, I had, you know, my room where I had all my equipment and stuff. Well, I haven't had that for years. And so it'll be nice to actually have my own space where I can have my equipment and stuff again. So that's like you do. Okay, so since then, okay, so since then you moved into a, an apartment with your partner, and you guys actually, you know what I mean? Obviously, didn't have the space for it. I mean, I, right, I hear you. I have like I have a little space for it in in our room, but I also uh, one side of the the room is is my radio stuff, and if you turn around to the other side of the room, behind me is my partner's stuff, and he makes music. So there's his guitar, his stereo, you know what I mean, his his keyboard, his computer, his monitors, and all that different things because he makes trip hop music and stuff like that. So it, it you know we kind of share the room, the spare bedroom, yeah, for our uh, for our little things. But he you know wants his own space and wants me to have my own space, and has always pressured me into <laughs> not pressuring me, but suggesting that we move into a bigger place so we can kind of have our own environment for our own thing to have our own vibe in. You know, it's a possibility. Do it, do houses it, do are, it. Houses are a lot more money. <laughs> they are, but I mean, you know, in the end, you spend ninety percent of your time at home. So, well, work or home, two options. I guess. That is true. That is. So, how's true. your weekend? 
Um, my weekend was pretty uh, eventful, actually. I went uh, car shopping all day yesterday because I just uh, I want to get a new car. I want to trade my car in and get something a little bit, you know, that has less miles and isn't as old. I have a 2012. I'd like to get something a little newer. Um, and, and I prefer that it, not, that it be actually new, new, so I don't have, you know, people's issues that they've had before with it. I feel like I got a, a mm-hmm. car, my car now I enjoy and I love it. But it's starting to develop issues, and these are issues from the, per- the way the person who had it before me drove and handled and didn't take care of the car. So now I'm paying for it. So um, I spent all day the, doing it. Are the issues something you can take it to, like, a therapist for? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just, just going to eventually. Week, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I spent all day wheeling and dealing and going to different places. And I know I want to get a Kia. I fell in love with the, um, the, op- the Optima. It's beautiful. Um, but it was just out of my price range um, at that dealership that we went to. They tried to talk me into leasing the car to get me out of my loan. And it ended up being five, over five, about 500 bucks a month for a car. And I was like, that's too much. Like, I just, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't make that kind of money. <laughs> You know what I mean? If I made that kind of money, I wouldn't be living in an apartment. You know, or not a two-bedroom. So I just can't afford $500. So it was kind of disappointing, but in the end, it was worth it because there's another guy. The guy who actually sold me my car doesn't work at the dealership that we were at. He works at another one. So we went there and talked to him for a little bit, and he said for me to come back and see him um, on Wednesday, and he would uh, take care of me. So I'm excited to go back and take care of him on Wednesday. Awesome. So car shopping, car shopping is nice, and I, I keep talking to people about it, and everyone I talk to is like, oh, well, I just got a Kia. Well, I just got a Kia, and it's kind of, it's what my family has, you know, we're, it's, so I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to look at the Optima. It was really, really sweet, so. Mm-hmm. But that was that, and then the only other thing that happened this weekend was I got into an altercation with my uh, roommates, roommates, not roommates, the neighbors who lived below us last night. Um, it was kind of a face-to-face heated argument and I'm kind of debating on whether or not I want to move from where I'm at. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it was the first time it happened. I know that they were just being drunk and obnoxious, but it was to the point that he was in the doorway of my apartment in my face and it was just uncalled for. So It'll be taken care of later, but it, it, you know, it was how I spent my night last night, <laughs> which isn't fun. No, no, you know, you're supposed to feel safe in your own apartment, and you feel like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'll talk more about that when it, I guess, come out. But it's just, you know, it's just been a lot of bullshit that I deal with all all the time living here. So it's just something that I have to consider whether or not I want to move or not. You know what I mean? It's a process of getting up and packing things and saving money and, you know, hard. But other than that, my HIV is great. How about you? (laughs) Oh, it's great. I've been having a tough week with, uh, I've been having like a lot of bone pain and like my hips have been bothering me. So luckily I have a doctor's appointment coming up. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but every ache and pain that I get, I automatically assume it's HIV and I'm probably dying. But uh, <laughs> it may not even be related to that, but I'm going to have it checked out anyway. Now, what medicine are you on? I'm on Jinvoya uh, now. But, you know, there was just a study that came out I saw on pause that, um, that talked about the bone mineral density. And, you know, now there's thoughts that it's actually it causes more damage to bone mineral density um, than originally thought. So, like I have joint pain. Um, and there's what, is the, what, is, what, well. is what 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 is mm-hmm. that medicine called again? Genvoya. G E N V O Y A. And then there's oh, actually newer drugs that are like I guess the new Triumec is a new one. Dalutegravir is another one. Um, but yeah, the Genvoya, it's basically Stribil, but a newer version has the different Tenofovir, um, formulation in it. I know my partner just switched to it, and that's one of the things that he deals with, um, a lot is his bones and aching. He has osteoarthritis and things like that, and they took him off the Trivada, 
and switched him to uh, uh, a smaller blue pill. I don't know if it's that one. I think it's I don't know what it's called. I'll have to look into it because I know he, he complains a lot about his aches, his uh, his joints and and bones and things like that. So I wonder if oh, it's been horrible. With his I, I've never felt the pain like I have before, and um, just my hips and my left elbow. Like I seem to be like living on ibuprofen. So yeah, I'm gonna check. Is that what you just take the point. ibuprofen? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I live on those things eight, uh, four at a time, and then yeah, now I can take Tylenol. Because he was in, they were giving him some sort of a patch uh, to put on the back of on his back for the for the pain. I'm not sure exactly what uh-huh. the medicine was that was in the patch, but I know that was the only thing that he's been taking that actually worked. I mean, he's tried so many different pain medications and things like that, and it won't go away. Now, I guess these are the effects of being on medication for so long. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, I always kind of struggle with, you know, if I wanted to start medication early or not. And, you know, I opted to start therapy within four weeks of diagnosis. And I've often kind of looked back at that and wondered if I would have waited. Of course, I mean, you know, hindsight's always 2020. I'm not, I'm not saying I would ever delay treatment. Right. But I, I just wonder, you know, what, what that would look like if I would have waited. Yeah, because actually I waited because I was diagnosed in 01 and I didn't start meds. I, be- I started in, oh, I think in 08 or 09 mm-hmm. was when I actually started. And that was just because my doctor was like, look, there's no need to rush. You know what I mean? Like if you're fine, then you're fine. You're good. You know, but when it got to the point to where I felt like it felt like a couple like around that time in like 08, 09, it was like that. There was that message that was out on social media about starting and getting on treatment, you know, the viral load, uh, the CD4 below 500, you should start treatment, things like that. And I jumped on it when he said, let's start. And I figured now was the time. I had the support system of pause I am at the time and people telling me that, you know, they were okay on medications after years. So I thought it was a good idea to start. But, you know, just hearing about the side effects now that the, the, the bone density and the pain that you're feeling you know, that's why it's so important that we remind the generation that the younger generation now that it's not, oh, there's no reason to worry about HIV. We can just take a pill, you know what I mean? And, and, and we don't have to worry about it anymore or, or there's PrEP, but there's there's long-term effects from being on that type of medication, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they don't they don't see that. They just say, oh, we can take a medicine and we won't have to worry about it. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. that message has to be, I think we were talking with Bob Skinner yesterday and he was kind of saying how we have to reach out to that group because they're a little complacent yeah it's uh I, I don't know i always try to think you know that i i have really lucky and you know i'm for for the boom for the most part i am always really healthy but yeah I, it's just the the aches and pains and you know there's also been other studies that show that just the natural hiv progression without medications is that our metabolism and our bodies age faster than individuals who are negative. So I think there's a lot of moving parts and we don't yet fully understand kind of, you know, where we, what HIV looks like with aging. Cause think about it. I mean, we, we're just now going into the graying of AIDS with the baby boomers who are now going into retirement. Um, and so it's, it's definitely, there's a lot more for us to know. And, and that's why I encourage people do what you can, protect your protect your own health and and you know, don't take risks. It's not always a popular message, but you know, protect your health at all costs. Yeah, and that's actually one of the topics we'll be touching on today with um our guest Bob Skinner in a little bit, uh, the graying of HIV. Uh he wanted to to touch on that and you know it's it's important that we, we listen to those because those are the people that have lived through it and are you know, have been dealing with the medications and the side effects and the stigma, you know, for the longest. And, you know, they're the wisest ones, I think, the ones who've been around and who are still here. Like, you know, all the people we know, Dab Garner, you know what I mean? Those people are the are the, the wise men. But uh, let's go ahead over to uh, Josh Robbins and get today's scoop. This is your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Pause I Am Radio. 
buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV Scoop. All right, good day to you all. I'm Josh Robbins. Tons to cover this week, so let's get started. A third PrEP user, and PrEP being the daily pill to reduce the chance of HIV infection, has tested positive in Amsterdam, according to AIDSMAP, who was reporting this last week from CROI in Seattle. Now, the difference in this case and this infection is that the PrEP user doesn't have a true viral-resistant strain, unlike the two previous cases. Caution, there are a ton of unanswered questions in this case, and if you want my humble opinion, because you certainly asked, I wouldn't have said PrEP failure, but I'm going to stay in my lane and not get all up in their business. You know what I'm saying? So you can read the full story on AIDSMAP.com. Next is some cool news. A two-drug regimen from a collaboration between Vive Healthcare and Janssen achieved the same positive results that a three- or four-drug regimen achieved. That's my baby. The coolest thing here is that they used about a 1,000 HIV-positive patients. Half of them went on two drugs. Half of them went on the three- to four-drug regimen. They waited like 48 weeks and got the results, and uh, everything was pretty much the same. So less may be more, y'all for those of us living with HIV in terms of the number of drugs that we have to take. Finally, my HIV thank you by Napo Pharmaceuticals is launching on March the 1st. Woohoo! As a spokesperson, I'm super duper excited. Can't wait to share it all with you, and I will. I'm Josh Robbins, and this was your HIV scoop. Oh, Josh, we love you. <laughs> He is something else with those little sound effects lately. Yeah, he's funny. Um, thanks, Josh, for that scoop this week. Um, and uh, you can find all information on the scoops and Josh by going to uh, com. He has a page there with all his information. Um, so I want to move on to today's guest, uh, his returning guest, uh, Bob Skinner. He is uh, president and CEO of Valley AIDS Information Network. He has been positive since 2000. Um, and he was actually diagnosed on his 50th birthday. So please help me welcome Bob Skinner to the show. Welcome, Bob. Hey, good morning. How is everyone? Hey, Bob. We are well. Good. Good how, to hear. How Haven't are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so so we were talking a little bit yesterday for people, you know, who, who <clears throat> don't know. And, and you were discussing the last time that you were actually on the the show, which was, you said, was in 2000 and, was it nine? 2011. 2011. 2011. Yeah. 2011. So it's been, geez, it's been almost six years. Six years. Right? So tell us, tell us what's going on. What's, what's new? What's happening with you? How have you been? Well, everything, everything's been <laughs> well. Um, I, I sort of am excited at the fact that Aaron was talking about some of his aches and pains because I think that is predominantly uh, uh, going to be a way of life for those of us that are graying and aging with HIV. And I think that's, you know, in my opinion, uh, a small price to pay. Uh, you know, I, I, I lived through the beginning of this disease. I lived in San Francisco, you know, at the, at the peak of, uh, you know, this strange disease killing gay men and, and, and not knowing what it was. So I will take my aches and pains, especially in my hips and my joints any day. And, Ibuprofen is a miracle drug. I have to agree with Aaron with that. Um, but I just had a bone density scan, which my doctor does every couple of years. Nothing has changed too much as far as that, you know, just the regular aging process. And, uh, you know, his recommendation uh, put a, a calcium supplement in your regimen and, you know, drink lots of milk, do all that kind of good stuff, that can help that process from, um, you know, getting to a point uh, of loss of mobility. You know, if, if your hips go and your knees go and everything else goes, uh, I always joke to my partner uh, when I get a, 
ache in the hip that it's time to go in for a new set of hips. And while I'm in there, might as well get some new knees. And uh, hopefully it won't ever, <laughs> hopefully it won't ever come to that. But, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I address it with the fact that, yes, you are getting older. And that's, that's such a nice thing for me to be able to see and, and to be able to say. So, you know, I look in the mirror and sometimes I don't like that fact. Oh, there's a new wrinkle or where did this hair come from? You know, things like that. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, it is what it is. But you're still here. I am still here. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Bob, one of the things you, you first mentioned was that you were you know, around in San Francisco in the early days and, and things, and you've lived through all of that. Can you tell me what was your, uh, your I don't want to say your introduction to HIV or AIDS, but like, what was it when it hit you, hit home first? Because you weren't diagnosed until later, until 2000. So what was it when it like, when you first hit it and you was like, oh, this is something that I need to start paying attention about? Well, you know, I I had the, all the textbook symptoms of an HIV infection: um, the night sweats, the thrush, uh, rapid weight loss. You know, you just go through the list, and I had them. But uh, you know, being an alcoholic and being a drug addict, I was able to maintain, you know, my sense of feeling well by by using you know um those implements and my sense even living in san francisco uh which was an you know in the 70s it was an incredible time uh to be in that city you know we did not have anything to stop us from doing you know what we were searching to do and if it wasn't <clears throat> you know, looking for that Mr. Right, it was, you know, going out to the clubs and uh, looking for Mr. Right now, um, basically. And it was really, uh, I, I, I started to see and we started to hear in the community and I lived right in the Castro area and we started to hear people uh, hear stories about people getting sick and, uh, you know, uh, the, the baths closed down and some of the bars that had some uh, extracurriculum activities uh, in their back rooms, they started to close. And then they started putting pictures, Polaroids, uh, at the Star Pharmacy, which was right on Castro, of people with KS. And the messages were pretty simple. Um you know, homemade flyers with photos of KS lesions and the words gay cancer. And again, at that point, no one knew what was causing it. No one knew if, you know, what is the degree of infectious, you know, are you allowed to touch these people? Is it airborne? You know, what is it? And I think that was the most frustrating part for a lot of us. There were a lot of questions, but there were no answers. And, of course, the, the government, they, they certainly didn't want to deal with it. This was during the Reagan administration. And he never said the word AIDS till his, his, his second um, uh, tenure as president. So, you know, uh, I sort of had the idea, well, that's their problem. It's not mine. You know, that denial. Uh, and just kept going, mm-hmm. kept going until, you know, it got to the point. Uh, it actually was a family intervention. My stepmother saw the condition I was in, and she suggested that I go to a doctor, which my dad took me. And lo and behold, my disease had progressed to an AIDS diagnosis. Uh, CD4 count was a single digit, and viral load was over, you know, 800,000 and two months to live. You know, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard that same that, that same information, and um, 
you know, I started my meds the next day, and here I am, healthier healthier than I ever have been, actually. Uh, and, you know, I don't say that. I do a lot of speaking, and I certainly don't say that that's a way to health. Um, but it was for me. You know, I was able to deal with my addictions and um, all that good stuff. And, you know, it gave me an opportunity to do that, so... And then dedicate well, thank God my for your, life. Your, 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 I was just going to say thank God for your family and, and them stepping in and doing that intervention. You know what I mean? Seeing well, you the way that you were and, and caring enough. Well, yes and no. <clears throat> you know, it was my stepmother. And, of course, the minute I, we got the diagnosis, she left. She didn't want to be around right. somebody that had AIDS, which was fine. Um, you know, it was the... The typical uh, stepmother relationship, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't the warmest. It wasn't, uh, you know, all lovey-dovey. But, um, you know, later on we were able to have a good talk, and she explained to me why she did that. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, she did save my life. And that the whole thing has given me the opportunity to be where I am and to be able to share that with the partner that I've had for 13 years. And, um, yeah, so I owe it. uh, I I know this sounds sort of hypocritical, but I owe it a lot, um, I guess. I mean, uh, for me, anyways. Uh, there are better ways to deal with addictions. There are better ways to get healthy. There, you know, uh, than become infected with HIV. And everybody is different. We know that. You know, you 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 mm-hmm. might react a little differently to uh, the medication I'm on. Yeah, you know, and that's what's so mysterious and interesting about this disease is that it is not a one size fits all. Um, there's a lot to it, but no, I think I, I, I agree with you. And you know, having that that support, um, you know, is important. Even if at that time, you know, you said your sister stepmom wasn't really the way that you wanted her to be, or the way that you think that they should have been caring after the diagnosis. But the fact that she took you there was a good thing, and it led you in the right direction and put you where you are now. Who knows if you would have absolutely you know, met your partner that you're with and things like that. So you know. That that that's that's cool. That's good. And I'm glad that you were able to to hash things out with her later on and and you know discuss oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah, yeah. And Definitely. that's important. But let let me ask you this: how how was it disclosing for you? I mean, you said you've been with your partner for 13 years. So before that, um, I'm going to assume that you were dating, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Okay. So how did you deal with disclosure? Um, well, you know, I, I, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. That was sort of my home base. And, um, I, I did not live in Fort Lauderdale as a person that knew their status. And this is one thing that I always will be concerned about, uh, being a late tester and being a person that was diagnosed you know, right out of the chute with an AIDS diagnosis. Well, I probably had been infected. Uh, that was 2000, probably 10 years prior, which put me in the 90s. And, you know, I had been with someone for five years that died of AIDS in 1990. And, you know, just to be honest, we, we did not practice safe sex. We did not use protection, you know, and, and our sex was fueled by drugs and alcohol. So God knows what kind of activities that we did. We probably created some unsafe behavior or invented some. Um, but, you know, I moving out here, it was pretty much, I've never hid my, my, my status. And right out of the shoot, I started speaking about it and talking about it and learning about it. So it's been, you know, an easy process. I've never let, I've never let HIV 
define who I am. Uh, it's just, to me, something I have. I, I, if I was diabetic or I had some other, you know, life-threatening disease, I'd probably be an advocate for that. Um, you know, that's just the way I'm made up. If, if there's something that I see that needs to be fixed or there needs to be some change, uh, whether it benefits me or my community, then I'm going to do all I can do to try to make a difference. And, you know, basically, you know, we've seen each other at conferences throughout the years. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had the fortune of, you know, going to many different conferences all over the country. And it's the same thing. We're all in the same community. We all support each other. And I know disclosure is really, really hard. Uh, for a lot of people. And um, I think once we can deal with the stigma and the discrimination that is still layered on this disease, I I don't think, I think disclosure is always going to be there in, in some form. I wish it wasn't. It would make life a lot easier for a lot of people. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is. And we've dealt with with discrimination since day one, just coming out as a gay man, uh, you know, how many people, uh, you know, are stigmatized and discriminized because of that? And then you add that HIV layer on top of it, and, you know, sure, I don't want to tell anybody because they're going to assume I'm either A, B, or C, uh, A and B maybe, but not C, whatever C is, so it is hard. It, it's really a hard thing. It just never was really a situation I was faced with. Uh, you know, I speak in public. Everyone here, you know, in the town that we live in, you know, knows uh, I'm the HIV guy. You need information on testing, you call Bob. You need this, call Bob. You need housing, call Bob. So it's a good thing, um, you know, in, in, in my world, uh, you know, but I do know it isn't for a lot of people, and I work with those people, and uh, yeah, it's hard, you know. Bob, this is Aaron. Um, I, you know, it's I'm always amazed when I when I uh, talk to activists, especially those with your story, you know, coming from the Castro and, and the early days. What is something that you have been working on that you're just really passionate right now uh, about? Maybe you've been passionate about it. Um, let's discuss that. What What is something that you just you, you want the world to know, right? You know that you've been working on, or that's really on your mind. Well, I think the first thing, um, and I, I'm I'm really convinced myself that this is probably one of the better ways to go as far as taking off some of these layers of discrimination and stigma. I mean, they're always going to be there. They're they're there with any disease, but more so with HIV. I think, and I, I'm trying to practice this myself, just in the change of language, how we talk about HIV and AIDS, um, how we refer to it, how we talk about our side effects, and how we talk about the cost and you know the political ramifications and if we can if we can get involved in the conversation and make it not so you know people are afraid of this there's no doubt and for me i don't use the word aids a lot uh, if i'm talking about hiv slash aids i'm going to talk about hiv because basically what I'm talking about is prevention. I'm a prevention educator. What am I trying to tell people to prevent? HIV. Well, we all know that you don't, you know, you don't get a, a diagnosis of AIDS, of course, without uh, first becoming HIV positive. So, but to me, that word AIDS, that sounds like, you know, death, because that's all you ever heard. 
the number of people that have died of AIDS, uh, um, AIDS this, AIDS that. And I, we all work in prevention. But what are we trying to prevent? We're trying to prevent new infections of HIV, period. And I think if we can, you know, change our way of speaking about it as people that live with it, and that's what I focus on. I'm not infected with it. I'm not dirty. I'm not a criminal. I just happen to live with HIV. That's my that's my way of um, of of trying to not normalize the disease itself, but just to make it more talkable, uh, make it a topic that you know. Why do you have to have someone that's HIV positive in a room with people that are not to start that conversation? Uh, why can't people just, well, you're going out. Do you have everything you need? And of course, now with with the landscape of PrEP and how that has changed things, um, yeah, it, 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 it has changed. And I, I, I see a little bit of hope in in that direction a little bit of change but um i know i i did a uh i was a presenter at a conference in fort walton beach robert you've been down there positively I living love it i there. believe it's called and yeah, um, positive living, yeah. Uh, yeah i i was the last presenter the last day everyone was tired everyone was anxious to get home and some lady just really land me up the wall because I wasn't using the term HIV slash AIDS. And my reason for that was I was specifically talking about HIV. Um, yeah, I don't want to forget AIDS. We can't forget AIDS uh, because that's where, that's where we've lost so many people is when they have gotten to that point. So, you know, I tried to explain to her you know, why I didn't say that, but she was not having anything to do with it. So it got a little heated, <laughs> but in a good way. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But that that's sort of how, you know, how I work with it. Yeah. So you were probably pretty happy whenever uh, uh, AIDS.gov changed their domain. Uh, did you see that in the news? It's been about six or seven months back, but they changed it from AIDS.gov to, I believe, isn't it HIV.gov now? Yes, 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 yes. I saw that. And I, I, I don't know why they did that, uh, but I, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, why not try just focusing on what we're really trying to do? And that's pretty simple. Stop new infections of HIV. Um, I don't think we need to go into, of course, if you're you know, educating a, a class of eighth graders and you're doing a basic HIV 101, of course, you need to get that information to them. That if you are HIV positive and you are not linked to care and linked to antiretrovirals, your disease can progress to AIDS, and then all you know, all kinds of things can happen to your body. And <clears throat> you know, the thing that really gets me still, about 35 years into this or so, people are still saying, "Oh, I need to go get an AIDS test, or I need to, um, I don't want to, I don't want to catch AIDS tonight. If I go out, I better take protection." I mean, still, come on, um, what do we have to do? to get this out on the table a little bit more in a normal way to where people aren't afraid of the disease itself. They're afraid because of the unknown. Um, so, I mean, uh, my advocacy work is uh, sort of self-centered, I guess you could say. I do it for myself, but I also do it to give me the ideas and the information to take home and, you know, share that with as many people as I can. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's how I sort of put my two cents worth in.
if that answered your question. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I, I figured that it would, that would be your response, uh, the uh, kind of just how you were, you were talking about it. And uh, I think we all, I know I've been guilty of how we, how we talk about HIV. Yeah. Um, and so that's always a good, a good thing to just remember, um, you know, even how we talk about it. Or, you know, I gave a talk this past week to uh, a bunch of uh, nursing students. Mm-hmm. And uh, my philosophy is I laugh um, about my own health. Uh, and it was very interesting because the students were very uptight and not, you know, it, they didn't know if it was appropriate to laugh at things that I was right. talking about. Right, and I had to give them permission that it's okay. Now, not everybody's going to be able to to kind of chuckle or laugh about, you know, I that's just my prerogative. Right, um, and and so it's very, it's always a good lesson for all of us to remember, you know, how we're talking about it, and is how we're talking about it stigmatizing or perpetuating any kind of stigma or shame. Well, I've never, you know, as as. And and you hit the nail right on the head just with that one word, shame. What are you shameful of? I You made some poor choices, okay? Uh, so beat me for that. Uh, you know, instead of beating me for that, you've given me a disease that I probably will have for the rest of my life. Okay, I get it. Um, but I think we, you know, as a community, and I call every anybody that's HIV positive as part of a community, and we are. And you feel that strength and that power, uh, especially when you go to conferences, and there's a couple of hundred people there that are there, you know, uh, for various reasons. But one thing is in common. We're there to fight this disease. We're there to... Make sure we get the tools and the information to help uh, people from becoming infected with HIV. Yeah, clinically and medically, that's probably how we'll end this disease. I don't know. Um, But I think before we can do that, to make it easier for people, you know, to get tested, this is this is a huge thing we have found out here as well, you know. Uh, just getting people tested, uh, geez, that almost takes you know an act of Congress. Uh, you know, it, it's real simple now. It wasn't, you know, in my day I got tested. They take a big tube of blood, and you have to wait two weeks for your results, and. We all know that if we lived in those days, a lot of people didn't go back for their results because it had they had that two-week period to kind of think about well, what's going to happen to me if it does come back positive. Who am I going to tell? What are my friends going to think of me? What is my family going to think of me? And if they had a partner, would my partner leave me? Um, you know, and now... Dating has changed immensely, and that should be one of the first questions asked. Uh, you know, before anything physical happens, you know, have you been tested, and what is your status? You know, it's a pretty easy, not romantic, and and it's you know, not a good conversation to break the ice, but it's important. It's really important. So those are some of the key parts that I focus on. Uh, but laughter, being able to laugh at yourself, that is so healthy. And I do the same thing, uh, talking about some side effects of my sestiva, which um, for me, uh, they my dreams uh, associated with the sestiva part of a triplo, which I'm on, uh, were very erotic, and I was concerned about that. And as soon as my doctor said, no, Bob, that's a side effect of the sestiva, great. Well, don't you know I was in bed every night at 7 o'clock and I was shaved and groomed (laughs) because I couldn't wait to take my meds to have my date. So for me, (laughs) really. But after being on sestiva for 14 years, those dreams kind of, aren't there anymore. And besides, I have the real thing, so I don't have to dream about it. <laughs> so. 
Well, hey, Bob, can you uh, hang right, for Bob. a second? We're going to do a, a positive message uh, from Kevin Maloney, and then we're going to be right back, okay? I'm sorry? We're going to do a positive message from uh, Kevin Maloney. And right oh, okay. TV, and we're going to be we're going to be right back with you, okay? Great. Hey there, I'm Josh, and I've been HIV positive for over four years. And this is my pause message. Yeah, I bet you think you know how this story is going to go. Well, I'm going to do my best to show you how I've learned to see the positive and being positive. No pun intended. I'm healthier today than ever before because I've chosen to make my physical and mental health a priority. I'm happy to share that I've been in a mixed-status, serodiscordant relationship with my HIV-negative girlfriend for almost two years. We've learned that having a healthy and happy HIV-free baby is more possible today than ever. And I currently have a set plan of action as I'm working towards a pilot's license. Believe me, when I was first diagnosed, I didn't think any of that was going to be possible. You see, our generation has an opportunity today that millions before us never had. We have an opportunity to live. And believe me, I know it's a hard journey. There's no doubt about that. But know that life was never promised to be easy. Learn to separate who you are as a person as opposed to what the virus says you are. It's not the virus, but what you do with the virus that counts. Will it define you or will it refine you? That's a question that only you can answer. Thank you. Hi, my name is Bob, and I'm from Walkworth, Ontario, a little uh, rural community of uh, 700 people. So I'm a, a rural POS guy. And I've been POS for 23 years now. And um, so I'm a long-term survivor, and I'm kind of proud of that. And I'm proud of all long-term survivors out there. So hi, long-term survivors. want to want to lift my hat to you. Uh, but I also want to lift my hat to, to people who've joined us along the way uh, and offer encouragement and support and love because um, I think you have real opportunities here as a person living with HIV to live the kind of life that you wanted, always wanted to do, um, to make a difference, uh, to throw off the shame, uh, to realize what you want to do, uh, and, and if you want, to help and encourage others, just as uh, Kevin is asking us to film videos to to support others, um, you have that kind of opportunity too. So Kevin's onto a good idea. Um, I think what I like about this is that it emphasizes that we are part of a community. We are here for each other, we're here to support each other and to learn from each other. And I kind of like that. Um, it's an opportunity uh, that comes with HIV and I, I've grabbed it and, and, and I hope you will too. So enjoy. Um, being part of a community that can offer you so much and which has the opportunity for you to offer so much. Um, be well. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the HIV community. It's quite wonderful. There you go. And I want to thank uh, Kevin Maloney from Rise Up to HIV for uh, sharing the positive messages with us. And to enter your own positive message to Rise Up to HIV, go to riseuptohiv.org or search for them on Facebook or Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you about, Bob, was, you know, you, you were speaking about how things have changed over the years. And, you know, back in, in the 80s and 90s, you were in San Francisco and you lived through seeing the signs that are, you know, warning people about gay cancer and things of that nature. And now in 2017, you're on social media and you're seeing things about PrEP. You're seeing things now about you um, equals you undetectable equals untransmittable. Tell me, what does that feel like to see kind of, it, I don't want to say come full circle, but kind of come to a point to where things are a lot better? Oh, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And it's very, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's very, it, it solidifies, um, the positivity that I've always tried to come across with. And, and social media, you know, you and I talked a little bit more about this yesterday. Uh, what would we do, <clears throat> excuse me, without all this social media? That, you know, it's given us the opportunity to uh, have this huge community and and listen and learn from from
from everyone because every like I said, everyone's disease is different. Everyone's thought process about what their life will look like as a person living with HIV. Um you know, and this is where we get our strength as as these two messages uh, they had that message of hope. They had that message of love and community and respect. And, um, you know, I I ignored it because, number one, I ignored it for many years because I didn't want to waste the money going to a doctor. And, you know, these are my own selfish reasons for not ever getting tested. That test that I took June 26, 2000, that was my first and only test. And, you know, that period, that 10-year period of when I was infected to that time, my biggest concern was how many people did I unknowingly infect with HIV. That I will never know. Um, and I, 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 you know, people ask me, I do share that. Have you been able to get in touch with these people? Heck, I didn't ever remember their first name, much less get a phone number. Um, so coming from coming from that mindset and and those activities, I guess you could say, uh, to where we are now, I'm very proud of what we've done. And even though we might be faced with some roadblocks uh, here in the future with a current administration. We've done this before. We played this game before. We can do it again, and we'll do it better because there's more of us. We know what we have to do. We know who we need to get on our team. We know who will listen and who will work with us, not against us. And, you know, um, we dealt with challenges most of our life, first for our choice of, you know, our sexual orientation, and then you add that layer of being, you know, a gay person or a transgender person or a person of color, you know, you add this stigma of a disease on top of that, um, you know, and, and to have social media like this to be able to call. You're in Pennsylvania. Aaron, where are you at? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. So you're in Missouri. I'm in Oregon. You know, we're like at both ends in the middle, and we're able to talk about this <laughs> on a beautiful Sunday morning where we should be in church. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> why aren't we in church giving thanks for where we are? Uh, here, when you say you're you're going to church, it means you're going to the casino. Oh, wow. Church church in San Francisco days was leaving Trocadero at 6.30 in the morning and going to a bar on End Up that was right next to a church. Uh, and these poor little old ladies, uh, I can picture it now, all in their furs. And this was so sort of an open front bar. There were no windows to the street. And, yeah, we had all been out all night. God knows what we had done, and these little old ladies were going to church, and we'd all say, "Say a prayer for us," and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they did. Uh, well, one of those prayers got you where you are today. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I didn't pray too much, uh, but uh, yeah, I do now. Not so much as. Uh, my prayers are thankful prayers. Uh, I don't ask for anything, but if I if I have to do a presentation or something that I a group I haven't talked to before, you know, I'll ask for that support. I'll ask for, well, give me the strength, give me give me the knowledge, give me the courage to get through this. And you know, nine times out of ten, they they turn out really well. And uh, then I give prayers of thanks. And I think, you know, those of us that are still here fighting this this battle, um, we should be so thankful. Yeah, there are challenges, but that's life. You know, it's just life. This is part of our life. 
and it's not something we chose. Just, you know, we made poor choices, and it just happened to happen. So, um, you know, get over, you know, all the negative feelings you have about it. Uh, I, I, I definitely recommend uh, communication. I think that's really important, whether you're communicating with your healthcare team, whether, you know, you got to have a, a strong support system whether that's, you know, your friends. And I'll tell you, my friends and family have been so supportive and proud of what I've done. Uh, you know, that that's a big, that's a big piece. That's a big piece right there. You know, it, it, uh, yeah, having having that validation from your family is in, is very important. It lets you know. Oh, that you're... it's huge. So, so tell me this: If somebody is newly diagnosed uh, in your area, you're in Oregon. Um, what are some, uh, I guess, ASOs or some places that they can go to find support or information um, in your general area? Well, we're the only ASO that does information and referrals uh, in my part of Oregon. That's Valley AIDS Information Network. And you can take a look at our website. It's valleyaidsinfo.org. And basically what we do, we're, we're, we're sort of, you know, after you get your healthcare team sort of situated, and even before then we have people calling us saying, you know, I just tested positive. Am I going to die? That's the big question. Well, yeah, we're all going to die, but, you know, Hopefully, we'll, we'll, this is what you need to do. And we still work in, in some counties in Oregon still are working through that uh, health department model. <clears throat> and here we have case managers. Everyone has a, an HIV case manager. We get them hooked up with them, uh, and then they get them hooked up, you know, with our ADAP program, which is called Care Assist here in Oregon, and then if they're able uh, and qualified for, um, you know, any other services like Social Security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, then we help them through that process, which is quite a process these days. It's not as easy as it was because HIV is, you know, when they reclassified it as a chronic manageable disease, I think they kind of did... I mean, that's great that we, you know, it isn't that death sentence, but it's taken away the ability for people to get some services that they so desperately need. Uh, you know, I, I, I just got in uh, at the right time. Everything was so easy for me to get hooked up with, whether it was Social Security, whether it was ADAP, whether it was Medicaid. Uh, Medicaid at that point, um, you know, everybody sort of went out, did what they needed to do to get me uh, signed up for that. And, yeah, I had a support team coming right out of the gate, which was huge. Um, you know, that's how I ended up in Oregon. I have a cousin that lives here. I was living back in Fort Lauderdale, and, um, you know, I did not know what I was going to do. I pretty much had lost everything and financially. And she said, just come out here. And she did a lot of legwork, you know. She had all these pamphlets when I got here. What's it like living with a person with AIDS? And what do I need to do? And, you know, yada, yada, yada. That's where I found Valley AIDS Information Network as my source of information and that, that's how it all started, basically. So, yeah, well, Bob, I, Bob yeah. If, uh, if, if people want to get a hold of you, the final 45, 50 seconds of the show, how will people get a hold of you? And we definitely need to bring you back because uh, we can give you a whole 90 minutes on this show. Let me tell you, I, I, I should just listen to you all day. Uh, how can people well, thank get a hold you. of you up in uh, Oregon? Um, you can get in touch with me. Uh, my email address for my organization is president at valleyaidsinfo.org. 
All right, fantastic. Well, we appreciate you uh, you being on with us, Bob. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, and uh, we will have to schedule you to get back on the show because we want to hear more from you, okay? It would be my pleasure. Thanks so much, Bob, right, for Bob, being Bob, you on. have a great day. Hey, Robert, good luck with the car search. Aaron, good luck with the sore hip. Thank you for joining us for Paz IM. You can listen to us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we bring you your weekly dose of hope. Join in the conversation on social media, Paz IM Radio, and at Aaron Laxton. And while you're on there, check out I'm Still Josh as he brings the HIV scoop of the week. Also, if you've not checked out the positive message campaign from Rise Up to HIV, be sure to do so. For all of you who contribute and make this show possible, thank you so very much. If you think you have a story that needs to be covered or you would like to come on air and talk to Robert and myself, please let us know. We want to bring content that you need and that you want. Be sure to download this episode on iTunes and past episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. From all of us over here at Paz IM Radio, from Robert Brining and myself, have a safe and healthy week. And until we speak again, stay positive.